Welcome to the TFO Football Podcast World Cup episode. <laughs> I don't, we haven't really discussed what to call this or anything, uh, but we are currently in a little temporary space. All together, I'm here with uh, Alex and Philippe, and uh, we've just watched Robbie Williams at the opening ceremony. I thought it was lovely. Uh, currently, we're looking at Gianni Infantino do a little talk. Vladimir Putin's just spoken as well, and we're getting excited to watch the Saudi Arabia game versus the hosts, Russia. Uh, we thought what we'd do is just drop in occasionally with uh, podcast updates. We might be able to chat about some of the games, do a little bit of uh, tactical stuff ahead of some of the more important ones. Uh, so first, Alex, are you excited to watch Russia-Saudi Arabia? And what little tactical gems do you have uh, to tell us ahead of, ahead of this game? Um, I, I, I can't say I'm enormously enthused by the prospect of this as an opening game. Largely, I think, because opening games have a tendency to beat quite dry mm. uh, obviously there'll be a lot of pressure on this Russian team um, they've gone with uh, Golovin which is good we've uh, we've had a look at him as a player uh, in a recent video um, I think the left hand side of Russia does look a little bit old mm-hmm. uh, with Zhirkov and uh, Ignacevic so I can expect um, Al Shirani to, to try and get into that side and and uh, Create some havoc, um, but I I can't see this being a match for the ages. No, okay, I, well, I may be wrong. We'll we'll look back at this retrospectively after a four two thriller. Yeah, uh, and I'll sound like an idiot. But yeah, well we'll come back. Uh, we'll, well, for listeners, it will be seconds, but we'll come back after the game and uh, maybe have a little chat about it. Philippe is also here. Philippe is uh, is our lead artistic producer. What is your job title, Phil? Oh, I think you just said it. I just <laughs> said it. it's something like that. <laughs> Phil sat in the corner over there and he's going to spend uh, most of the days illustrating players for us to make everyone else's life much easier yeah. and his much more difficult. Uh, so Phil, shout over your favourite for the tournament. My favourite was Spain. Um, some people, you know, that's changed a little bit now. I'd, I'd probably go with Brazil now. Oh, Brazil. I thought you'd go for France I would being love French. To say, I'd love to say France. I think, again, on paper, it's one of the, one of the best squads there, but I don't particularly trust Deschamps. Sure, sure. Fair enough, okay. Too conservative. Uh, well, the only other thing to say before we carry on watching the game and come back to you a little bit later is uh, that uh, the old Red Lion Theatre in, in, in Angel Islington, uh, Central London, or East Central, I suppose, very kindly uh, offered us a little temporary space upstairs. Uh, so the three of us and some of our other colleagues will be here throughout the tournament. We're going to be watching every single game, uh, making a video a day, and we'll be based here at the Old Red. So we just want to say thank you very much uh, to the landlord and all the staff there for giving us a little bit of space. There's a couple of massive screens downstairs, lots of tellies, and there's even a telly in the garden for all you smokers out there who want to go to a pub, smoke, and watch football at the same time, <clears throat> which, is, uh, which is what I'll be doing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to watch the football now. We'll come back in a bit, and there'll be uh, more of a sort of tactical feel to the rest of it. See you in a bit. Okay, so it's half time at the Russia Saudi Arabia game. A couple of lovely goals, uh, Gazinsky and uh, Cherishev. They're really gunning for it, it seems to be. Uh, but the thing that you've noticed so far, Alex, is that they're playing a back four, whereas uh, in, in our group preview for them, we expected them to play a back three, didn't we? Yeah, I think they, they um, experimented with a back four in the very most recent uh, friendly, which uh, was played after that video had gone out. Right. Um, 
So uh, Fernandez and Zhirkov are still getting very, very high up from fullback, um, which is to be expected because Golovin, who started on the left, yeah. uh, as we said in the player profile video we did for him, naturally tucks inside anyway. Yeah. Um, Gazinski, who scored the first goal from a Golovin assist, has a tendency to drop back and shield that back to um, of Kutupov and uh, Ignashevich anyway. So it, it is a 4-4-2, but you can see shades of that 3-5-2 that they're used to playing as well. And Golovin, I was going to mention, uh, we, we, we made a, a player profile video about him last week. Uh, he was pinpointed as a one to watch for Russia, and it seems to be that way so far, because not only did he assist the first goal, also the second. He looks a real bright spark for Russia, doesn't he? He does indeed, and, and he's done, um, reassuringly, he's done exactly what we said he would do, which is to uh, look to cut inside from that starting left position onto his right foot, um, curling in crosses, taking the opportunity to play through balls. Once Zagorov had gone off injured, he then moved inside. Uh, when he plays for Cheska Moscow, he, he plays usually on the left-hand side of a midfield three. So he's not unused to playing more centrally and pushing up into that left half space mm. uh, to play creatively the way he's done. And Cherchesev has come in on the left. He is more of a natural left winger, so he'll he'll give Russia a little bit more natural impetus going forwards and wider on that left-hand side. Yeah. Uh, obviously a glorious finish for that second goal mm. as well from, from the substitute. Lovely bit of skill, wasn't Very it? Very nice bit of yeah. skill, yes. Well, what we thought we'd do, it's half-time, uh, we're going to watch the second half in a minute, but what we thought we'd do now is have a little bit a little chat about England. Uh, firstly, uh, I'm not sure how the audio is going to come out for this, but we're, we're using a, a room mic, so it's probably going to be a little bit different to normal. And also, we're on quite a busy road, so you could hear the sound of London buses. Ooh! <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, OK. Uh, anyway, uh, Phil having a nice time over there? Yeah, lovely. I've, um, there's, a, there's a few players that we didn't mention uh, in, our, in, our tackle, in our video about Group A, so yeah. I'm just filling in some, uh, some extra Russian players in there. He's working away. I'm sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> uh, right, Alex, let's talk about England. Uh, I thought it'd be useful to chat about some of the comments that people have left on the video. We made a video uh, detailing what we thought England might do during the tournament. We're yet to see whether that will happen. I believe their first game is on Monday. But there were a couple of uh, couple of themes I noticed in the comments section that I wanted to bring up with you. The first one, and I think this will be rather cut and dry, was uh, the absence of Rashford in the video, or as a starter, uh, which is probably quite straightforward, isn't it? I mean, presumably the only place... There was one comment, I think, that suggested that he play ahead of Harry Kane, which I, I don't think anyone else thinks. Um, most of them thought that he should maybe be starting ahead of Sterling, uh, which, I mean, is probably not going to happen, is it? No, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, this is in no way a pejorative comment towards Marcus Rashford, who's obviously an excellent player and I think does have the, or will have the opportunity to come off the bench and, and make an impact, but... Sterling is a more complete player. Yeah. Um, he's in an extraordinary vein of form, um, or was for Man City during this season. Well, over 20, 24 goals or something yeah. this season. And, yeah. uh, and I, I think um, Southgate is Southgate's cautiousness will extend to uh, selection as much as it does to tactics, and Sterling mm. is, is just more proven. Yes, Sterling hasn't performed for England to the same degree that he's performed for Manchester City, but that's people kind of... Is it the same for most players, though, as well, right? In the squad? Yeah, I, I think that's probably true, and I, I think as well that 
the you know one of the things that we've seen with a lot of Manchester City the, the players this season is their development under Guardiola. Yeah. So looking at um, possibly recalling Sterling's performances during the Euros in 2016 and going, oh, he's been rubbish for England, that doesn't account for just how much better a player he's become in this last season under Guardiola. So yeah, okay. I think it would be, personally, I think it would be uh, more sensible to start with Sterling. But yes, Rashford will come off the bench. Yeah. Well, when he does come off the bench, where is he? who is he most likely to replace? Uh, where is he most likely to play? Presumably... Um, unless Sterling's having a bad game, the Southgate's more likely to want to keep him on. Right? Is it possible that Rashford might replace one of the wing backs if, for example, if England go one down? Is that something that might happen, or where where do you naturally see him fitting I, in? I think what's more likely to happen is that he would replace one of the uh, central midfielders, okay. possibly one of the more defensively minded central midfielders, right. so that England would have a more natural three up top, yeah. rather than uh, having sort of two or three across midfield and then. Sterling playing off uh, Kane and slightly to the right hand side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other, the other, one of the other themes that I noticed uh, was people being quite surprised um, at the Walker as one of the three centre backs. Carl Walker is one of the three centre backs. I mean, that's where he's been. He's been playing in in qualifying. And I just wanted to ask you uh, to clarify for some of the listeners what is the <clears throat> what is the benefit of having uh, a player who's naturally a fullback playing in one of the back three there, particularly Carl, Carl Walker. I think the first thing to say about this is, is just to address a point um, around the videos in general, which is to say that what we're doing with all of these videos is is explaining why the selections that have occurred in friendlies have occurred, and to surmise from that what the likely starting eleven is going into the tournament. Yeah. So we're not saying that we would pick Kyle Walker yeah. at right centre back. We're saying that's what Southgate has been doing. And we think the reason is what is this, and, yeah. and I think the reason there is that um, Walker adds uh, a degree of dynamism uh, going forwards. He can carry the ball very effectively out of that right um, side. I think as well, what Southgate is seeking to do by playing with the three-man defence is to create greater amounts of movement between the lines with players pushing up and dropping back. Mm. Walker and also Stones to a lesser extent will be able to carry the ball forwards uh, and Walker will be able to pull slightly wider which will allow uh, whoever plays right wing back presumably Kieran Trippier will be able to push that much further forwards Mm. so it gives us options there I think as well Walker has the pace to cover out wide that mitigates uh, the potential defensive weakness of Trippier getting caught higher up the pitch Mm. Uh, so there's greater mobility there and Walker is easily a good enough defender to be able to adapt to that. He's also used to, as we've uh, talked about in our, our Man City fullbacks video, um, the Manchester City fullbacks do uh, push up and in as well. Mm. So, should England find themselves caught out in central midfield again on the break, Walker would be the one who's uh, more naturally adept at, at pushing up and slightly tucking in to bulk out that midfield again to, to create a compactness through the centre okay. so uh, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons I think it's a very wise decision The final theme that I noticed in the comments section beneath that England video was the conversation uh, regarding uh, Jordan Henderson and Eric Dyer um, so what we noticed from the friendly games beforehand how Southgate was setting up in the lead up to the tournament was that some of the times it was just one of those two players that was getting was getting chosen and we imagine it probably will be Jordan Henderson. I mean, he was a, he was a near shout for the captain as well. 
you, I saw a couple of comments suggesting that people think they're both going to play together. Uh, some of the rest of the comments revolved around which one of them should start if one of them just does. What do you think is likely to happen on Monday in that case? Will they both play together? Will one of them start? And if so, who will that be? Uh, it's. I, I think this will be... To answer a question kind of beyond that question, if there's mm. a weakness in this England team, it, it's creativity slightly further back on the pitch. Mm. Um, that's why pairing Henderson and Dyer together is perhaps not the preferred option against teams that are likely to sit deep. Mm. Because Well, there was talk of Ruben Loftus-Cheek in that department, right? That's, that's personally who I would go for. Mm. Um, if England are going to play with, with three in midfield rather than two and having two kind of pushing up behind Kane. So what would your three look like then? Um, if that's the case... Well, uh, the issue that they have is is where will Deli Alley play? Where will Jesse Lingard play if mm. they do? Are they going to play, for example, Deli Alley further back in a midfield three but pushing up into the space? Mm. Will they play Kane and Sterling quite high up and then two, two quite ag- aggressive more attacking midfielders which would be Lingard and Ali presumably since exactly England's injured right? and that's why you would only then in that instance have only one of Henderson and Dyer. Mm. I personally in that instance would, would probably use Dyer um, yeah. rather than Henderson because I don't think there's much to choose between them in terms of mobility I think Dyer's better in the air I think Dyer's better as a recovery tackler yeah. Henderson to me is a little bit more box to box um, so he would work as a flanking midfielder on the other side of Dyer, plus one other. So maybe in the maybe Loftus cheek. Quite possibly, if England are looking to be more solid through the centre, mm. you'll see two. If they feel like they're, they're playing a team who are going to sit back, create two compact lines of four or a line of four and five, uh, and be hard to break down, then I think having Henderson and Dyer together mm. would probably reduce their attacking options to such a degree that that won't be the selection. And if you were to play Loftus-Cheek, presumably you'd play him alongside one of Henderson or Dyer, and then just have one advanced mid- midfielder, Lingard or uh, Ali. Yes, playing playing with. In in that sense, you'd you'd be looking at sort of, uh, I guess, like a three four two one. Yeah. Um, where you'd have Loftus-Cheek and one of Henderson or Dyer. Yeah. Then you'd have Sterling and Ali. Sort of staggered up, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. That I think would work quite well. I also think, as I said in a tweet um, when the the squad was named, um, TSG Hoffenheim uh, have been playing this system where they've had one very deep sitting midfielder and then they've had two quite attacking midfielders playing behind strikers who break wide a lot. The top square. Exactly Mm. that. Uh, I think this England squad would be able to play that system really, really well. They should try and get Sebastian Rudy to change allegiances. <laughs> well, I think Eric Dyer would do the job mm. uh, just as well, if not better. Okay. But if, if you had a, you know, if you had an attacking square of of Kane, Sterling, and then behind them Ali and Lingard, who are who are very comfortable at playing anywhere across the um, uh, the kind of front three of a, a midfield attacking three, you could even push. Ali up alongside Kane yeah. and have Sterling and Jesse Lingard playing behind them and that way you could get the natural breaking out into yeah. the half spaces as well. Okay. 
that's probably the most attacking option for England. Yeah. Whether Southgate goes for that or not, I, I'd be surprised. Well, probably. we'll have to wait till Monday to see. I mean, the first game is Tunisia. I believe the second is Panama. So you could make the argument that those are two teams who might sit off with the hope of getting a point uh, to, to, to go forward in the tournament. Certainly Panama will. I think Tunisia will have more of a go. But Okay, yeah, great. Well, the second half started now. Uh, we're back to, to watching Russia and Saudi Arabia. Russia looked really up for it, which is quite exciting. And actually, so far, it's been quite a fun... It's been quite a fun first game. My highlight so far, I just wanted to say, was listening to the uh, to the tragic ITB commentary, particularly the moment at which the commentator mentioned Joseph Stalin's moustache for some <laughs> reason. Not sure why you'd do that so early on uh, in uh, the Russian World Cup. Or what, what you would you would save it yeah. for later? You'd save it for later. You'd save it yeah. for later. Once okay. everyone was really upset about something. Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, thanks very much for that, Alex. Who are you drawing now, Phil? Um, I'm doing uh, Gr- uh, yeah. Grzynski. Uh, Grzynski, sorry. Grzynski. Can't say anyone's name. All right, great. Well, we'll check. We'll uh, check back in with you all later. Okay, so we've just finished the game. Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Alex. I think I'm going to have to uh, pull you up on what you said before the game that it wouldn't be interesting. I mean, it was. It was interesting. In yeah. fact, they scored five goals, didn't they? they One, two, three, four, five. Five goals. <laughs> Cherishev. That, I think that was, that was nice for me uh, as a sort of uh, an observer of the game. It was nice uh, to think that there was a player who started on the subs bench. And what he probably would have known that he would have been doing that last night. So he would have been thinking, oh, maybe make an impact second half. No! Come on for an injury first half. Score two goals. Two lovely goals. And then top it all off with a uh, Golovin or Golovin, they're saying. I don't know which one. Lovely free kick. Yeah, very, very impressive Russian performance against uh, an admittedly not amazing uh, Saudi side. Yeah. Um, lots of defensive errors, maybe. Yeah, lots of defensive errors. I think... You know, we don't want to poo-poo the Russians, but when they come up against a harder team, what, what do you think is going to happen? I think that they're going to get caught out. Um, I, I'm not massively convinced still by this um, centre-back pairing. I think... Um, uh, the Saudi left back um, Al Shari did give uh, Russia some problems down that side, so there's a degree of, of vulnerability there. Um, I think Russia pushed their fullbacks up very high to compensate for those um, players tucking in. Uh, there was a bit more natural width when um, uh, Cherishev came on, but I think they'll they'll get caught out of possession probably uh, against uh, better sides. It's the, it's the first time a, a five goals been scored in an opening game by right. one team. It's wow. the second highest scoring game since uh, Germany Costa Rica yeah. um, in two thousand and six. That four two game. So okay. it you know it's a good marker, but I don't I don't think we should get carried away. Don't by say that. Russia let's, no, here. let's get carried away. No, no, we can get carried away by the fact it was a lot of fun. I want but, to get carried I, away. I don't think this means that Russia is a lot better than everyone thought they were. No, okay, um, fine. Well, I suppose the thing to say is that next up for them Tuesday they have Egypt. Um, I'm thinking it might be fortuitous the order in which they're playing their fixtures. They have Egypt next, they have Uruguay last. Presumably now they're thinking... If we if we were to sort of be uh, bog standard in the way that we evaluate the group, we imagine that Uruguay, depending upon how they start tomorrow morning, uh, might win. You know, they're a good chance to win all of their games, right? So let's say, for example, that Egypt and Russia are now uh, fighting off for that second place spot. If they can get a draw against Egypt, and even if they do lose to Uruguay, assuming Egypt do the same, 
Five goals against Saudi Arabia is going to stand them in good stead in terms of goal difference to, for that second spot, right? Yeah, very much so. I, th- I think this group, to a degree, will come down to who scores the most against Saudi Arabia, quite yeah. possibly. Yeah. Um, I think Uruguay-Egypt will be uh, reasonably evenly matched. Oh, okay. I, I still think that um, they're the two teams to get out of this group. Okay. Um, particularly if Mo Salah starts. Particularly if Salah starts, and there's been encouraging news as far as Egypt are concerned mm. uh, in terms of his fitness. Um, yeah, I, Russia showed a lot going forwards. Golovin was was excellent, as we highlighted he would be yeah. before. Um, the injury to Zagoev didn't impact Russia at all. They looked better when he went off um, a bit more mobility. Um so, yeah. and even Zerkov at thirty-six years old. Well, yeah, I mean, he gets forward a lot, but I, but I think that's part of their their issue is that the natural instinct of those two fullbacks is is to play as wing backs in in a three man back line, which of course has that additional cover, but that cover isn't there to the same degree. So, unless they, I mean, obviously they can afford to push forwards against Saudi Arabia, whether they'll whether they'll find it in their natural inclination to be more conservative when they come up against sides, um, particularly against Uruguay, where Cavani and Suarez are going to split very wide mm. um, and play into the channels with um, with players like Betancourt cutting inside off them. That will test the positioning of the Russian fullbacks. So I was going to ask if actually, knowing what we do know now based on today's game, uh, seeing how Russia's defence performed, there weren't too many challenges for them to overcome, but we saw we saw a few. Um, let's say Tuesday morning, Mo Salah starts. He's in good form. Do you think he's, he's going to be a real test for the Russia back line, right? Yeah, they don't look like they've got um, oodles of pace through the centre. Um, that Russian defence. Mm. So I, I think you know Salah's obviously Salah's caused problems to Premier League pacey defenders all mm. season. So mm. I, you know I think it's it's fairly straightforward to assume that he'll he'll do the same for this Russian back line. I think. Uh, how much uh, Gazinski is able to get back, drop into that kind of natural covering position in front of the the back four um, will go some way to determining how much of an effect Salah can have. Um, possibly they'll, they'll put somebody on him as a kind of man marker. Yeah. Obviously, as well, Egypt have to get the ball to Salah. Yeah. So um, that that quite snappy tackling that we saw. Uh, in midfield from from Zobrin from uh, Golovin that that can go some way to to preventing Salah from becoming a danger simply because they don't get the service to him. Yeah, well, I suppose it's also important to point out that the the fifth goal and of course in the context this is against a, a Saudi Arabia side who are already four 0 down they're looking to just try and get through the game as best as they can. But the, the the fifth goal came from a set piece from a free kick, and we saw what Golovin can do from that as well. So even even going into future games, whoever you're against, have, presumably having a player like that who is capable not only of uh, creating lovely assists as we saw, but also scoring from dead ball situations, you can get get a goal in basically any game if you have a player of that quality, right? Yes, and uh, what's interesting about that set piece is that that when when Golovin's playing in open play, what he likes to do is. Is cut him from the left onto his right foot and then and then curl shots around. Mm. So he's he's kind of presented the same sort of shooting opportunity from the dead ball situation as as he likes to find for himself in open play there. So he's yeah. clearly got that ability. Um, Cherchev is or, sorry, Cherishev is is no slouch from a dead ball either. Yeah. Um, and with uh, Zuba who came on uh, with that height as well. 
you know, from corners and, and free kicks, Russia will pose a, a danger there. Um, not probably against Uruguay because mm. Uruguay have got Jimenez and Godin uh, as their centre backs, yeah. um, and Cavani's also very adept at defending set pieces. So yeah. I can't see it being an issue there. It could very well be an issue for Egypt, though. Home advantage? Do you think? Um, I think. I think home advantage plays a part, doesn't it? I it's mean, two you, words, isn't it? You've got... <laughs> it is two words. It's very good. Um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, playing in front of a, a fiercely partisan crowd is obviously going to buoy you. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think this was a very poor showing from Saudi Arabia. So, yeah. it's... Yes, it's, it's encouraging from Russia's perspective. Momentum is hugely important in tournament football because yeah. you know there are so many games in such a short period of time um, and this is, this is going to be huge for them in terms of mentality now isn't it they'll be I mean, it's the ideal start probably better than anyone expected for them oh I, I don't think there's any question that this is better than anyone predicted I mean there, there have been some pieces you know sensible pieces that have been written um, in newspapers about how this is not a great Russian side um, we obviously highlighted issues that they've had in, in the video that we did previewing Group A, and it isn't a great Russian side. Um, having said that, they've played very well. A couple of the the kind of star turns have have impressed. Um, they've shown that they've got a degree of depth coming off the bench, which is obviously important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's key here is that their defence has not been tested in this game. Yeah. Um, and you know, as much as winning your opening game at a canter is nice uh, for the attacking element of the team, as a as a goalkeeper, you probably want to make a few saves, claim a few crosses. That wasn't really required from Akinfeyev. Um The centre backs maybe had to cut out a couple of through passes, but there weren't really any moments where they were particularly tested. So they're going to still be feeling a little bit cold. Yeah, and you know they they're facing one of the most exciting attacking players in world football in the next game so okay. um, we'll, we'll see how that goes for them well a word from Philippe over in the corner there are you enjoying yourself Phil? yeah very much so I think if um, you've got a contender for goal of the tournament in the opening game you're yeah. off, to, off to a bit of a winner really possibly so. two even Yeah. well yeah absolutely the last goal there as well uh, three games tomorrow, Phil. We've got Egypt, Uruguay, Morocco, Iran, mm. uh, Portugal, Spain. Which one are you looking forward to? It's got to be Portugal, Spain, isn't it? Yeah. Really? yeah. Um, with the kind of business that's been going around, it, I think all, all eyes are on that on that fixture. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think mean, if there's any time that Portugal can get a result against yeah. Spain, it could be now. Well, actually, I suppose from both sides there, isn't there? Because uh, as we know, Spain have sacked their manager. Mm. That was a thing that happened. Also, there's a, a bit of an issue with uh, s- several of the Portuguese players from Sporting Lisbon as well. So there's lots of external news, the circus around the game. Uh, we'll be looking to make a, um, a player profile video that I think is going to go out on Saturday. Uh, it may feature a player from one of those teams, depending, but there, there might be uh, other surprises in, 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 in the fixtures tomorrow. I'm looking forward to Egypt-Uruguay mm-hmm. uh, as well because um, I think this Uruguayan side are really impressive. Um, Torreira in midfield, uh, Vaquinho in midfield. These, you know, they're, they're interesting players. Seeing how Suarez and Cavani combine, um, they've got two of the best centre backs in the competition as well. So, uh-huh. uh, seeing how they do against Egypt um, and and seeing how fit Salah is and what he's able to contribute, I think will will give a very good steer as to what happens in Group A. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously with um, 
Portugal, Spain. You know, you've got the the current European champions against one of the teams that a lot of people would consider at least to be in their sort of top four bracket. So, mm, mm. Um, both with significant off the pitch problems. I noticed no one said anything about Morocco, Iran. No, I'll I, say something then. In that case, uh, tomorrow, Friday, it's uh, the happening. video is <laughs> happening. Uh, the video we've got going out is about Iran. It's written by James Montague, produced by uh, Henry Cook. That'll be quite exciting. It's a, a part of our how uh, some of the smaller teams made it to the World Cup series. Lots of interesting uh, history on the on Iran there and the the Iranian football team as well. So that's something to look forward to. As I said, we'll have a player profile out on Saturday. Beyond that, uh, I believe we have a Brazil tactics uh, to come out, which might be happening on Sunday ahead of their first game. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. And uh, after that, we'll be doing one every day. So uh, thanks, guys. I'll look forward to uh, meeting back up with you again tomorrow. Do come down to the Old Red Lion Theatre, Angel, Islington, Central London. Two big screens. It's a lovely place. Uh, and uh, we'll be here all month. So if you want to come down say hello... Uh, do but we're behind a locked door, so you can't actually <laughs> can't actually talk to us. You, you can you could you could be tweet near us. at us. Yeah, you and, could tweet at us, and we might pop down and say yeah. hello. Yeah, they sell pies. They sell pies down there. Lots of drinks. It's a pub. Yeah, big garden. I saw people out there. They were smoking, enjoying themselves. Ho ho ho! Smoking, they were saying smoking is bad for you. It is bad for you, and we don't condone it, but we do do it. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. Well, uh, thanks very much for listening to. I suppose this is day one. We might try and do a podcast every day. We're not sure. There might be some days where, where we can't do it, uh, but we'll uh, keep you updated as much as possible. And, uh, yeah, chat to you tomorrow. Thanks. The Internet has changed. So should the way you bank. PNC Virtual Wallet for Digital Banking. It's time for a change. Now through March 31st, earn up to $300 when you open and use a select new virtual wallet product. Simply establish a qualifying direct deposit. To learn more, visit a branch or pnc.com slash checking offer. PNC Bank. Make today the day. Virtual Wallet is a registered trademark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC.